while you were talking. Kevin Miller from USAC, Kevin, wow. the wonderful Jim Law uh, uh, from Formula D. Jim, thank you. Uh, thank you for all your, you know, very nice words and, and helping spreading the words all over social media. You're a social media genius. We have Brian Carter from World of Outlaw. Brian, how are you doing? And then Jim Ryan from SCORE, who had just a terrific event, uh, you know, uh, last week. So thank you, gentlemen. Paul, it's 12 o'clock. On to you. Okay, the, well, the pace car is pulling into the pits, so I think we've got a green flag on this session, everyone. Welcome. Uh, hello, Kevin, Jim, Jim, and Brian. Hey, guys. Good to see you. Hey, Paul. Long time no see. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Uh, it's, it's great to be with everybody, even virtually. Um, well, I, I think that, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to just uh, spend a, a few moments uh, um, having you individually tell us about yourselves and about, uh, you know, what your organization does because you, there's some diversity in some of the things you produce and do and uh, uh, and who your audience is. I think what's interesting about every single uh, person on this panel is uh, that there is a culture attached uh, to this audience or that is devoted to this audience and defines it. So we'll start with you, Jim, if you if you don't mind. Jim Ryan. <laughs> uh, Jim, give me Jim, Jim Ryan. I'll st yes, we'll start with Jim Ryan. How about that? Yeah, I see there's two. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. As I uh, was just pointed out, we just returned from our Baja 1000 race, which was our 53rd annual event. Um, so it's been around for quite a while and it sort of started everything. It's one of our iconic events. Um, it's Score International is basically the sanctioning body. We've been around for 46 years um, on, on top of that, organizing uh, the big long range desert races. Um, that used to transpose in both the U.S. and the and Mexico um, recent years that all four of our race series is in is taking place in, in Baja um, because the land is there and the opportunities are there um, and it's just fitting our format a lot better. Um, so we have uh, four events in our series. Uh, the two iconic races are the Score Baja 500 which uh, just uh, we just had our 52nd running this year and the Score Baja 1000 which we just had our 53rd running as I was saying. Uh, San Felipe uh, 250 race is uh, in its 34th year, and our newer race we always keep uh, a, a new race in the in the schedule to freshen up things and be a little bit more flexible. And that's our Baja 400 race, which takes place in September. So it's uh, that's kind of how our, our schedule flushes out. Again, we've been been around for many many decades. We kind of started the we were the anchor point for motorsports. In terms of the aftermarket, also since 1967, um, a lot of other uh, groups came out of us. A lot of our old events are now involved with other series in the U.S. Um, but uh, it's been a it's been a long haul. We've had uh, series was started uh, by Mickey Thompson in '73, the first uh, the first um, owner and promoter for Score, uh, transposed over to South Fish, who had it for decades and decades until 2012. Did a fantastic job. He's a legend. Um, Roger Norman took over as owner at that time and is basically branched out. Uh, we have offices in um, Ensenada now that run all race operations, and that's where our president and general manager are that run everything. Um, handled North America basically for score marketing. Um, we're responsible for all marketing, sales, social media, sponsorships. We all wear a lot of hats, like I'm sure everybody else does, uh, especially when we roll up onto, onto, race, onto our race schedule. 
but that's that's in essence. I'm sure there's other other people I need to talk about. Well, that's great, uh, Jim Ryan. Thank you. And and you know, one of the things I want to add here is we've uh, recently gone to a full commitment of covering off-road racing on Racer.com, and uh, you got a lot of audience for off-road racing. We're very impressed. Uh, uh, when we put off-road racing content on, it gets a lot of social activity and it uh, gets a lot of page views. And uh, uh, I, I think it's a sleeping giant in a lot of a lot of ways. Uh, there, uh, the passion's deep, and you know, one of the questions I asked here, we we don't have a complete answer to. I think. Yeah, it's we've. Go on. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a, there's a lag, but yeah, we just experienced that. We we just experienced that old growth, especially with COVID. Um, Uh, we made special efforts even before the season on social media uh, to obvious for obvious to be there, but our live streaming also because of the COVID lockdown this year in terms of fans and even teams normally that would attend our races, um, we moved uh, to a much uh, more robust format and the number we establishing off the Baja 500 and the Baja 1000, see, it, uh, see the numbers come up. Um, they're, they're definitely. That's great. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jim. Um, and I, I want to go to Brian Carter now, if we can. Uh, hello, Brian. This is the first time we've met. So great, great to see you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah, we're, uh, we're the World of Outlaws and Dirt Car. So we're based out of Concord, North Carolina. We've been uh, the brands that we represent uh, are well-established been since the early 70s and 78 with uh, the World of Outlaws. We're in our 40th year, getting ready to celebrate our 50th year, several of the of our major events this year. If it's got uh, circle track dirt racing in the North American marketplace, we're involved with it pretty much 5,500 sanctioned races a year and at 13 different classes, but with the premier uh, events, uh, highlighted by the world of outlaw sprint cars, late models, um, and then the big block modifieds in the Northeast. So operating in 37 different states, uh, pretty much year round. We started the 2021 season uh, last weekend, uh, kicked off uh, our winter series, and we run pretty much February through uh, November with the primary series, about 250 major sporting events a year. So we do our own TV broadcasts, have our own streaming networks, and uh, have sort of a fully integrated motorsports uh, entertainment operation here in North Carolina. Yes, uh, Brian, you're producing a tremendous amount of content. I mean, that's what strikes me about your business. You've embraced being a content company. Uh, yeah, we have uh, 357 race nights of live uh, broadcast net, uh, TV next year scheduled on the Dirt Vision Network, which is our own network. In addition to providing a significant number of unique programming pieces to our partner at CBS Sports. So uh, it's kind of a, the CBS becomes a marketing platform. It's all an awareness campaign for us, including Dirt Vision. It's an awareness campaign to drive people to the racetrack and, and it's been quite successful. It, it shows. And uh, it's one of the most exciting things I've ever uh, seen in my life or our world of outlaws races. Uh, uh, I will tell you that a few things scare the out of, crap out of me. <laughs> but but watching some of these races just I, my hands are shaking afterwards it's so exciting yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's challenging being responsible for keeping everybody safe not only on the racetrack but at the racetrack and, and keeping uh, that type of uh, vehicle and kevin's got the same uh same uh, challenges that i do 
relative to that, uh, keeping those race cars on the racetrack and everybody safe is uh, one of our primary concerns. And uh, we've both been pretty successful at it over the years. Yeah, given the volume of laps you're collectively run, that's, uh, it, it is impressive. So thank you. And I'm gonna come back to a question about audience and market in a little bit with all of you. Um, uh, Kevin, good to see you again. Uh, hey, Paul, good to see you. Makes uh, me uh, smile to see everybody that uh, I, I know well and, and work with. So uh, good to see everybody. Um, the United States Auto Club, we, you know, obviously we've been around a long time and uh, we've been under quite a bit of a transformation over the last 10 years. Um, a lot of people don't understand our business model, um, but at core, we are a sanctioning body. And People know, know of USAC as sprint car and midget racing around the dirt tracks. Um, but when I look at our business today, that's only 2% of our membership base for competition licenses. Um, in the last few years, we've acquired uh, the American Rally Association. We've acquired international snowmobile racing um, as, as different sanctioning bodies that we actually own and control. We also are launching um, a brand new Porsche series in 2021, the Porsche Sprint Challenge, a very major program for, for USAC. So we're, we're a very diverse sanctioning body and that is our core business, um, but we're enjoying uh, all the new challenges uh, with our, uh, like Brian, the streaming platforms. We do a lot of production ourselves um, and we, we're seeing growth actually in, in all, all of our segments of business. And, um, uh, one of the, I guess, uh, I wouldn't call it a benefit of COVID, but the outcome of COVID is that most of our sports were participant-based, um, actually did well this year, and we were able to get quite a bit of our, our, our racing in. So um, the diversity of our platforms uh, has helped USAC grow. And uh, next year, along with the Porsche Series, we have two additional series that we're going to be announcing in the coming months that uh, new platforms for USAC to, to operate in 2021. Well, that's, that's great news. And it's great, to, it's great to see uh, the diversification of, of USAC. And uh, I, I also, uh, it looks like you've remodeled the offices there, so. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yes, they look, a, look. It's a little changed here. Well, it's, it's not, it's not your, your, your grandfather's USAC. Um, Correct. Right, that's right. Uh, well, thank you. We'll be back and talk about audience in a minute. But right. uh, Jim Law, great to see you, my friend. Uh, uh, you, you've uh, you've had a very interesting year. Yeah. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Jim Law. I'm the president of Formula Drift. We operate the only drifting championship in the U.S. and probably the world's leading uh, drifting championship. I had the fortune of uh, you know networking and working with you know people like you, Paul, and with Kevin. Um, we, I'm able to serve on the drifting commission at the FIA, which is finally recognized drifting um, after uh, multiple years of uh, being a working group. Um, we essentially run and operate top to bottom the drifting series. Uh, we are we serve a very young and you know millennial heavy audience. Um, this is why we, we thrive on, on the digital platform, live streaming, social media, are our bread and butter. Um, we are the, uh, literally the adolescent of the group where we just completed our 17th season. Uh, we scathed, you know, COVID, um, and was able to complete this year, uh, some, some races to fans and some without, 
but again, because of our large digital platform, we were able to still serve our, our audience virtually and, and able to broadcast. Um, we feel uh, in a, that we're in a good place because we serve as um, oftentimes a entry point for young car enthusiasts, young motorsports enthusiasts into, into motorsports. A lot of these um, you know, young guys and girls that are, that are drifting and that are going to uh, try out drifting it's oftentimes our first time um, in a motorsports platform. They're not, they don't come from legacy, you know, go-karting families. They don't, they don't, it's the first time at a racetrack, literally. And we feel that we play that role in introducing young people into motorsports. And, and as they come in, we've seen many of them diversify into a lot of what you guys um, are involved in and, and different um, genres and different facets. Um, but you know, our core business is, is the series and is developing new drivers, um, and, uh, yeah, and running this, this championship. Well, uh, great description, by the way. And I think the, that one of the things I, uh, you know, really like about what you do is you're not just building a, a motorsports competition or event, you're building a culture by all the things you do. You've really built a powerful cultural connection. Uh, to your audience. I think all of motorsport could learn from this, Jim. And, uh, you know, I, I would, I'd like to, you know, pivot to the, the audience question using <coughs> our conversation as the starting point. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, motorsports going into the, this uh, post-COVID era, um, uh, obviously we all want to see younger audiences embrace motorsports, both female and male. We want to see more diversity. What advice and what learnings can you share with the rest of us about uh, you know, what you do and how it might apply beyond your own uh, Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we've been fortunate enough that our, um, our audience growth, though a lot of it, you know, mostly organic, you know, we we're able to speak um, their same language. We're able to function um, and, and communicate and engage with them. Uh, one thing that we're definitely missing from this year is the live event uh, atmosphere. Um, our, our audience thrives in that community. Um, the, you know, cars and coffee morning, car meets, um, the be, to be able to socialize with people and we have to find a way to um, get that back. Um, but I think we offer a pretty open access, open environment. Um, the teams have supported that to be uh, engaging and friendly and open to um, you know, interacting with fans, uh, prior to all this, I think that's been a foundation of, um, the growth of, of our sport. Um, and then, and then we've kind of celebrated the diversity of the characters in the series, um, different, you know, drivers of different backgrounds of different styles, really. And, and when you refer to culture, um, there, we, we always kind of refer back to, um, you know, our, our audience comes from, a lot of them comes from an action sports world where yes, um, being on the podium and winning is very important. And, and we have to obviously continue that. And we, we celebrate that and, and, you know, sponsors partner with teams that are successful, but there's almost as much of um, who the driver is and who uh, their character is, how, how they are off the track and in, in the drifting community, in the car community, um, that is just as appealing as their results on track. And so, uh, you know, we, we continue to evolve and improve that, but coupling both of that, you know, who, who a person is, the, 
their, their human story um, as much as them as a competitor and their successes um, on track has been uh, successful for us. Well, it's, uh, <clears throat> that's a profound truth you just shared with all of us because I think that is the essence of what I see you've been doing. And it, uh, I wouldn't even call it shoulder programming, but the, the constant stream of programming outside of your live events that I've seen online and, and YouTube and elsewhere uh, that, that being created by competitors, by sponsors, uh, across social, everything. There's a, there's a common thread of it being uh, real and you know, it's genuinely not boring and it's emotionally engaging. And you, know, you exist beyond your events, which I think is something all motorsports needs to aspire to. Uh, so well done to you and your team. And uh, um, I, I think we'll come back to a little bit more of this later on in the conversation, but uh, I, I'd like to go back down the ramp here and, and put uh, uh, Kevin Miller in the hot seat because you're dealing with all different types of motorsports uh, properties, Kevin. And uh, some of them are legacy properties and some of them are new things you're involved with as a sanctioning body. But I noticed the diversity in what you're dealing with here is, gives you an interesting view on it. Uh, what can you share uh, about uh, kind of this question of attracting and holding younger audience more diverse audience and creating culture around events? And well, I think, I think the key, I think the key word for us is extreme motorsports. I mean, when I look across um, with, with Jim and, and score and Brian and, and road of outlaws, I think that we're all involved in some part of an extreme motorsport. Uh, it's, it's different than you see uh, in the circle track on a Sunday. And we at USAC, that's kind of where we see our positioning, um, whether it's nitro cross or rally cross, uh, rally in the woods or snow cross. Um, a lot of what we do are, are we're involved in extreme motorsport and it's just a new attraction. Um, the Robbie Gordon off-road series, we sanction and run, run the Robbie Gordon series. And, and when you look at video views, he's got a couple of videos out there with 20 million plus views. Um, it's a different audience. But there's something about an off-road truck jumping, you know, uh, at an IndyCar event that brings the fans right to the fences. And, yeah, and you know, I, I definitely appreciate um, Baja 1000, Jim. You know, I'm an off-road truck fan, and uh, and we have a, some of the off-road right. in our category as well. And and I just I still recall sitting in Chicago's Motor Speedway with our with our Torque Series and an off-road truck flying over the top of my head thinking that is the most um, uh, passionate view of motorsports I could ever have. And so when I look at USAC today and across the board, that word extreme comes to my mind. And in looking at all the players on, on the page here, the same thing that we are offering a different perspective in motorsports today to a new fan base. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing new fans come in, our, our, our participant base and our fan base are all growing. And it's, it's exciting for me to go to even the legacy sport of sprint car racing for us uh, and see a whole new fan base. Um, the numbers for our streaming platform are, are growing significantly. And it, it's, it's just, uh, it's refreshing to me uh, to know that across the platforms uh, we are growing. In fact, we have a youth program that starts at age five for our quarter midgets that we have now over 55 clubs across the country we race with IndyCar, NASCAR, major events, and that sport. When you when you go and see a five or six year old in a quarter midget um, doing laps at pretty quick pace, uh, 
at Daytona International Speedway and you see a group of NASCAR guys sitting over at the fence watching them, uh, that's exciting for me, uh, bringing in a new aspect of motorsport and new fan base as we, as we move up. And, and quite frankly, you can look at a NASCAR truck race or a NASCAR uh, Xfinity race and, and you'll see quite a few of those kids have moved up in the field and, and they're now racing NASCAR Xfinity and NASCAR truck coming out of quarter minutes. So we're real happy with, with the diversity of what we play and, and again, the, ro the role we play in motorsports being more extreme. Well, indeed, and I, I think that you did, you sum it up well with people on this panel are, are representing forms of motorsport. Uh, I will just say they're not boring. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, there's, there's just, they're really exciting visually. You get what's happening when you watch this. It, it, there's something about every one of the, especially the, the dynamic series where you have vertical travel as well as horizontal and forward motion. Uh, we've got a lot going on here. And one of the things we've noticed, and, and people have said, oh, well, it's an aging demo and it's racing's getting older. It's not, for us at least, online. We're seeing a real profound growth in 18 to 24, 172% uh, up this year in, in that audience. Uh, we're seeing significant growth in the 25 to 34 category as well. Great growth in women, young women especially. So something's happening, uh, especially during the pandemic. And... Uh, what I think we, we have here, and we're going to talk about this a little later, is we have a chance for a real restart or reset coming out of this to get more audience. And uh, I, I, I want to, you know, pivot over to uh, talking to Brian a, a moment, because, again, there's, there are a few things that I find more visually compelling than a World of Outlaws event. I mean, it's, it's full of dynamic action from the moment you get there. Uh, you know, how, how do you see this, uh, this shift in attracting audience and bringing new fans and new audience to the sport with everything you're doing, Brian? Well, you know, from our perspective, it's all about fan engagement and they want to be engaged mm -hmm. all the time. And it's, it's, it's not creating the stories. It's really just telling the stories that are happening around our events and the families and the competitors that are, that are entertaining everybody. So, the, the beauty of what we is, like you said, is an extreme sport, but it's it's comprised of characters that people want to get to know. So what's what's been happening over the last few years is the technology has come to us to the point where we can engage those fans on a daily basis, on an instantaneous basis. It matches the attention span of of our of what we really want our captive audience to be. So it it really the technology coming to us at the same time we've been shepherding the sports we've all loved so much to get to the point where now it's available to us again to the words I used awareness campaign so it's awareness engagement entertaining you want to see and feel the race cars beauty of all of our sports is the the fans can get close to these vehicles all of yeah. us uh, yeah. in the paddock or in the in the pit area and they can get to feel it and feel like they're part of something when they can first time at the racetrack and that's something very unique to all of our sports uh, that here are represented today so you know, our job is to is to engage the ones that are aware and continue to push the awareness. They want it in their hands. They want it. They want it online. They want it where they're sitting. They want it in a phone. They want to see it now. And uh, and and thank goodness the tools and technology have come to all of us over the last few years to allow us to do that into something that we've all had. We've all known what we have. Very engaging, compelling, uh, visceral type of sport that uh, has been unique to us for decades. And now we're getting to show it to everybody. And I, I truly feel a resurgence in the fan base and a, and a much younger fan being attracted to it because of the, 
the shortness of the races, the attention, the real yeah. stories of people uh, that make up what our events are, the World of Outlaws and USAC and, and Drift and SCORE. It's, it's, it's amazing when you look at each of these pieces, how it all fits perfectly into what uh, the engagement level is of the, of the, the demo we want. <laughs> so yeah, That's right. And what's interesting, you're talking about something that, that, that brings to mind, you know, we've We've been uh, really struck by something during the last couple of years, but especially this year, is that uh, when we moved our platform onto the USA Today Sports Media Group's platform is what, what the company that hosts us now, and, and it's a great partnership, and they're a very big uh, online platform, but we got all the tools that the USA Today has in terms of tracking social and amplifying social and getting out there. So we just started to notice something that the engine of our, our growth is the audience, the audience is sharing between 350,000 to 460,000 shares a month of, of content <laughs> off the website. So having energized audience is really an important part of a conversation. Younger audiences are particularly more valuable because of their connections social, in social media. Um, and and I, I wanted to ask you, you know, because I see you have an active social media profile in, in what you're doing and a very good one. Uh, uh, yes. In, in looking at this, do you have a, a programming strategy for social media, Brian? We do. We have uh, uh, over 10 PR social media uh, personnel that are responsible for telling the story and creating a social media. You know, the good thing about it is it, all of the statistics and the data is there for us as sanctioning bodies to learn from it, too. It's just up to us to choose to learn and, uh, and deploy strategies that work. So when you look at impression numbers that were less than three or four years ago in the millions to billions of impressions in 2020 because of the ways we can track, you know, the way we can can see how it works through the tree of social, like you said, the, yeah. we can only spark it. It's, it's the, where it gets to after the second or third share and how it's, how the engagement uh, is how you can really see the effectiveness. And some things are engaging and some things are not. And you have to be honest with yourself about how that trends through your social channels and, and what's engaging. Is it 30 seconds anymore? Is it 90 seconds? It's not. It's five or 10 second snippets of pieces that capture the audience and make them track the story. So that's where it becomes up to us really to nurture the engagement and how and what's effective and what's not. And we aren't going to manufacture it. We have to, we have to be knowledgeable enough about our businesses, our races, our stories in order to tell the truth and tell them about what's happening and then allow people to decide if they're going to get engaged with that. And there's plenty of that in all of our sports to do it. Well, you said something just now, again, that's profound, you know, to tell the truth. And, and uh, when I raced, I had a, a really great, you know, coach and development person that was helping when I was a racer. It's Mike Hall, who's now at Ganassi. But he once, when I was complaining and whining and making excuses, he just looked at me with a cold look and said, you got to understand racing is truth. There's no room for the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's what we're all learning now in this moment. Uh, the social media and the audience is the media and new media. They're going to, if you've got something worthy, they're going to spread it. If you don't, they're not. And, uh, you know, uh, Jim Lau and company at Formula Drift know that I think better than anyone. Uh, and I, I, I will also say that every one of you has something worthy here. Uh, but a culture that, that uh, let's say like we're going to go to SCORE next, SCORE is, is existing in this different world, you know, uh, where they're out going across the countryside. You're, you're doing it in a stadium environment. I have to ask one last question before we move on, uh, Brian, is do, do you have a, you know, a, a strategy in off-season 
which you don't have much of an off season, but do you, do you have a strategy to keep your audience connected to you? That we're doing uh, behind the scenes shop tours. Uh, there really isn't much of an off season. We've filled that with racing uh, 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 content. So, but really the, what people want is the storyline. How are we getting to the next race? How are we getting to February? What does the season look like? So we're enhancing all that with real, uh, real events, winter series with, we're, we actually were able to expand our uh, virtual campaign. So we actually have three or four racing events, more social engagement events relative to our relationship with iRacing. And we're uh, broadcasting that socialing, you know, those will be on our broadcast networks, our, our streaming networks. So really they're looking, our audience wants to be engaged and, and candidly, none of us can afford anybody to wander off. So you know, we're going to work to keep them engaged, tell the stories, the natural piece people are thrashing uh, to get ready for racing in January. We go racing yep. uh, a lot of the series in January. So uh, we're, we're building racing content and uh, all of the storyline content to make sure that there's momentum going into 2021. What's nice is your tires are still going to be warm um, <laughs> between the seasons. Uh, uh, the uh, Well, thank you very much, Brian. That was really informative. And uh, Jim Ryan, uh, you know, I think that one of the things that, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm impressed with is that you have such a, you know, uh, a culture around off-road racing scores, the foundation of it. Um, tell us about what you're doing in that world to attract young audience, because I know you have it, and uh, the, the social and, and, and media outreaches you do to hold between, you don't have a lot of events, so you have to hold your audience's attention and keep them connected. What are you doing? Exactly. Um, and I think Brian hit hit it on the head on a lot of what he was explaining, what goes on with the, his organization. Um, we have it's basically a lot of layering. You're right. We have four main events, and that takes up that takes up our 12 months worth of uh, worth of operations and planning and, and working with. We, we're also working with two governments. You have to remember, remember that. Um, so there's a lot of extra efforts that uh, that don't exist elsewhere. Um, technology. Uh, I want to address that a little bit too. Um, yeah, that's that's helped us a lot in the last six years when we've we've launched all our social media and our on-site and our drones and everything else. But we're still really challenged on that area um, in just the, the environment we work with. We would love to have in-car cameras everywhere, uh, but you know we just completed a 900 mile course loop, you know, the longest, uh, a lot more advanced so we can bring a lot more content to the, uh, to the forefront for our fans and, and teams. Um, but uh, yeah, the way we, we execute uh, content, which again is never ending. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask you, you know, this you're producing content, but it's more than just a race. It's an adventure. It's a life story. It's a, uh, it's right. really one of the last original forms of motorsport. This is what motorsport started as, effectively. And when you when you set out at the beginning of the race, this is epic. Uh, uh, you know, uh, what do you do? You've got the content during the event. What is your strategy after the event? What do you do with this content? Correct. And that's what I said. It comes in layers. So... The, the kind um, a lot of uh, historical pieces too over the last six years, but we're always keeping with our with our assets we have. This obviously social media hits immediately. 
Uh, we have a digital publication called um, Score Journal that yeah. hits that next layer of in-depth content, which again, in, in the way way media is nowadays, there is no more magazines and on high performance, any types of in-depth information coming out of the off-road performance area. Um, we, we do a really good job there and that's, we get a couple million um, unique viewers a month just on the, on, just on the score journal um, being a digital publication. Our main goal is to keep the fans busy uh, with, with updates, um, whether it's historical perspectives, uh, team reviews, interviews, tech pieces, safety features. Uh, we still encounter all that um, engine builders programs. Um, that's what keeps them keeps them still interested in between the races. And every time we roll up onto race information, it just explodes um, the engagement time and in um, and, and our, our audience reach. So that's, that gets to there in terms of on-site, it's basically obvious live streaming, social media rule the day um, on our on-site during the race time period. Um, Score Journal follows up with the feature elements, um, our ABC, our World of X Games programs for the bottom 1000 that'll hit in January. So it's all kind of layering at that point. Um, so it really never, never ends. We're, all, we're ending one race and heading into the other. And one thing, we've seen an interesting phenomenon with the coverage of your events that we don't see in other forms of motorsport that we cover. We cover uh, close to 50 different categories of, of racing on racer.com. But one thing that happens with your events, we have a really you know decent amount of social media activity during the event, but there's like a sonic boom after your event when everybody's back and they're the the, uh, the the culture, the community has moved back to wherever they live and whatever's happening in the the stories have a second life of acceleration because your culture is living it down there with you or the competitors come back and there's a, there's literally another acceleration of the content on social. And the first time I saw it, I, I didn't understand what, it, what I was seeing, but uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. And, and I think that where I, where I was uh, ultimately gonna go with this is that your events seem bigger because you don't have many of them. They're almost like four Christmas days, if you will, for your competitors. Uh, what do you do to build the anticipation, to build the excitement about those limited number of right. events? Right. I think we've had an interruption. Well, of as I said, we, to say the least, uh, we can I'm sorry, uh, we're back, I guess. Um, yeah, this year's been challenging to say the least in terms of where, where our schedule was and how, how we were promoting it. Um, that still created audience because everybody still wanted to know what was happening. Um, but to, to, there's always a buildup um, in terms of the promotional efforts on, on every race um, in terms of what the, the course is always a main, it's never the same course. So that's always a huge uh, a point of interest in terms of where it's gonna be with the dates. Um, the starting places, we had to alter all that this year also based on, on health protocols down in, uh, down in Baja. Um, so it was like reinventing the wheel, but it was all new again. So even parts of the course were new. So all of that information is, and any updates that we're doing on the race itself um, are always driving that, but we're always, always creating the team packages too. So we're always promoting our teams 
um, whatever they're up to. It could be our series, and in some cases, we're we're helping our teams on some other series where they're headed to um, uh, later on. Uh, always trying to keep in front of them. They're always interested in whatever whatever we can bring to them. But it's it's supporting the teams and the generations you were talking about. We're we're in in that multi generational racer base right now. Um, where our, our, our legends, their, their kids or grandkids are now kind of raised, rising to the superstars for their, their own stories. Yeah. Um, but I think another aspect that you brought up, Paul, was the teams themselves. So go ahead. So the teams themselves have really extraordinary media assets attached to them now. Yeah, they do. Their, their own video crews, their, their own drone teams, et cetera. And they are producing some fantastic content after the that's working. working. Yeah, it, it, there's a feel to your events of uh, almost like competing armies going to war and they're taking their news crews with them. It, uh, it, it and, uh, uh, it's it's a, almost a more personal view of competition, and I, I uh, think it's very compelling. And uh, uh, it, it's uh, again the the nature of the vehicles being raced has in at the certainly at the top category here. You you have again that original spirit of racing where there's a lot of innovation, there's a lot of unique technology in these vehicles, and there's a lot of mystery too and how this is going to turn out. So I'm 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 very impressed with what off road racing brings and. Uh, you know, we, we, we at Racer are really glad to finally uh, be able to embrace it and, and have it be central to our coverage platform. Uh, and Marty Fiocco, who's our off-road racer uh, editor, uh, has been pushing on us to expand this for years. But, uh, you know, we're going to be part of your world and covering you for a very long time. Uh, you know, and so thank you for all the good things you do at SCORE. I appreciate the coverage. Thank you. Yes, and I... Uh, um, I'm going to go the other gym, <laughs> the younger newcomer gym, uh, uh, formula drift. I, you know, when you and Ryan came to see me, I think in, uh, 2003, maybe to, uh, at the racer headquarters, you were young and you were about to start this formula drift thing. And, uh, I will tell you, he had me at hello. I, I thought it was brilliant and I still do. Uh, uh, what would you tell the younger you now? that you've done this, you've been down this road and, and you're now a veteran and this is a mature franchise. I mean, it's hard to think about that way, but it is. Tell us, tell us uh, what you tell young Jim. Uh, what'd you learn? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Um, I haven't really thought about that. We have really haven't had much time to breathe. I, I wouldn't say um, we're definitely a little bit more experienced, um, but you know, by, by no means have, you know, things been on cruise control. We've, we've learned a lot. I mean, a, 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 essentially a new sport with all the nuances of it um, and not a traditional start to finish racing platform um, and having to deal with, you know, the judging side of, of the sport and all the challenges that that brings uh, demands for, you know, more objectivity and, and telemetry and so forth, but also um, what's actually where we feel we're, we're actually at a, at a, you know, better standpoint is 
the the technical side of it. I think we've definitely matured quite a bit um, in the technical know-how of of the sport in combining what we've seen um, in the various forms from you know from rally to drag racing, even to off-road, and how teams have uh, pieced their their competitive vehicles together, and us having to um, you know, adapt to that and adapt to the evolution of, of what teams always do is, is to push the envelope and to be able to um, create a competitive platform, a fair platform, um, but also one that, that gives some room for some innovation. Um, looking back, I, I would, <laughs> I would say, yeah, I, there's nothing that I, I don't know if what I could have said that would prepare us for what the last 17 years have, have been. I mean, we've, We've seen some some crazy times, you know, going through, uh, you know, the the housing uh, bubble and recession then and, and really trying to survive um, this this, you know, COVID pandemic world now um, and the various changes, especially in, in, in the media platform and how content is delivered, how media covers it. Um, it's yeah, it's been a lot. It's been 17 years and it's been um, uh you know, we probably were around a lot longer than most people thought we would be around for. Um, but definitely by no means is it, is it simple and cruise control. And do we have a formula that I can now go back and say, Hey, here are the 10 steps, the 10 things that you need to do, um, to have, to make your, your, your next 17 years easier. Um, it's still, it's still a learning experience for us. Well, I, I, it may be a learning experience, but I, I, every time I, I, connect with you and with Jim. Jim, I've got to say your passion and your dedication is really impressive. And uh, you've done this, uh, just almost both of you and your team have done it through sheer force of will at times. Uh, you're creating something uh, pretty impressive here. And, you know, my, uh, uh, my greatest uh, satisfaction whenever I look at anything you're doing is I still am in awe of it. Whenever I, I come into your live stream sometimes and watch it and I feel something that I haven't felt for a long time is uh, I, I feel like young me. I'm excited when I watch it. I want to have my friends see it. And uh, not many things do that for me anymore. I've seen a lot of racing. Uh, uh, I, I, and I, I think you continue to do that. Even in COVID, you've continued to do that. So kudos to you and everyone. Yeah, thanks. I, I mean, I think, I think we always try to go back to um, us as, you know, from a fan perspective, what, what we would have wanted to see or, or what we do want to see as a fan in, in, in anything that we, we watch and, and participate in. And I think keeping that perspective uh, definitely helps. And I think like anybody, you know, on this panel in, in this industry, uh, you know, the sheer will is really based off of, off of passion. If, it, if we weren't, um, you know, heavily interested and passionate in what we're doing, I, I definitely don't think we would get past a lot of the hurdles. If this was just a sheer, you know, business venture with, with no interest in, in, in cars and racing and motorsports and, and at all, um, I think, you know, a lot of people would, would have quit a long time ago and, and not just in, in, in our series, but in, in, in all parts of this industry. I agree with you. And in every one of these companies that are represented on screen right now, including ours, has had to fight through all these challenges and still be there uh, in uh, it's a racer spirit and uh, you have it in spades. So great, great job to you and, and Ryan uh, and your team. Uh, I wanted to go over to uh, Kevin Miller. Uh, and Kevin, you, I, I have to set this up a little bit. You know, you took over an organization that was in, in deep 
deep trouble when you came into USAC and you've had to do a lot of things to reposition and reorganize the, the company and, and really get people to think about you differently. And kudos to you for doing those things and, and, uh, and not only surviving, but, but you know, finding your voice as a company and, and being relevant in the modern era. You wanna tell us what the key learning during this period of time has been for you? Uh, boy, it's, uh, it's a good question. We, you know, it, it, I, I can go back to 2008 when I got here. It was fall of 2007. Um, I took a gamble. I, I had a, a nice position with Mopar, and uh, but I always wanted to do something different. And I didn't want to retire at Chrysler. And when I got to USAC, um, quite frankly, it was it was in trouble. And I didn't realize how bad trouble was until 2008 when the stock market kind of crashed. And, and I think the motorsport industry felt it more in 2009, 2010 as the small business owners uh, started struggling. And those, those are lean years, but um, uh, probably the, the, the turning point that I can go back to was a conversation with Ricky Johnson over a beer um, at, a, at a show in Reno. Um, and he talked about starting an off-road series. And we just chuckled and said, well, we can, we can wave the flags for you. And um, that wow. started and kicked off uh, a, uh, a series called Torque, the Off-Road Championship. And it was a lot of sweat and tears for three or four years to build Torque. Uh, at the end of that, it didn't do much for us. But what it did do is it connected some dots. It connected dots to some sponsors. Uh, it, it was a great television learning experience with Discovery and the reality show. Um, and it wasn't until we let go of Torque um, in 2013 that it expanded our, our viewpoint of, hey, that was a lot of work, but it, it patched up our, our sprint car series. It allowed some money to flow in that we could pay a larger points fund. It, it, it allowed us to breathe a little bit. Um, and it kind of set us on a mission that we, we went off and we continued sanctioning off-road, but we got into rally, we got into rally cross. Um, and we became owners of Rally, and we became owners of snowmobile racing, and all those little um, streams of revenue started uh, making the whole boat uh, go along yeah. pretty pretty well. And so now I can look back, and, and when you asked Jim that question about you know what would you do differently, um, there were some pretty lean years and pretty tough. I remember this time of year for several years. I would go, I don't know how we're gonna make it next year. Uh, and now I don't have those feelings anymore. And, and it's really just a lot of hard work. Um, and, and we've been very fortunate. And as we look to next year, we're, our growth continues and, and we're proud of what we've built here. Um, but we have more work to do. Um, the, you never stop in this sport. You can never look backward. Uh, you've got to keep looking forward all the time. And uh, as, as Brian's done a wonderful job with the Road of Outlaws, uh, he puts a lot of pressure on us uh, to keep our sprint car series moving forward. But they've, they've done a great job with the Outlaws of raising purses, uh, their points funds, and continue uh, raising the bar in sprint car racing. And, and, and quite frankly, it's, it's put pressure on us. And, and we're, we've been working with our promoters uh, and, and making internal vows that we're going to do certain things for 2021 to, 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 to follow along in their footsteps. So I appreciate that kind of pressure uh, because at the end of the day, it's building all of our sports together. 
That's um, a great, and so, that's a great <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's really refreshing, like I said, to look at the faces on the screen and, and understand that each one of us go through our, our different perspectives and different challenges, but we're all succeeding in different ways. And, uh, and, uh, and I, again, I go back to it's what we're delivering. We all have great product on the track and that product is, is what's paying off for us. Well, thank you very much. And that's a perfect segue to you, Brian. And I want you to bring it home and close out uh, this panel because uh, like I said, your tires are still warm and you're going to have a restart here very quickly. You're, you're just cranking out a lot of content and a lot of events and I'm in awe, honestly. And uh, uh, when I think of American racing, you're one of the handful of uh, franchises I think of that define our sport to the world. So tell us the uh, Tell us about what you've learned and what you're going to carry into this really fast coming restart to 2021. Well, you know, 2020 presented its challenges, but inside of that, uh, that disruption creates opportunity if you look for it. So, you know, for us, it was an opportunity to really push on that awareness campaign. But for what we have, we all are blessed with a pure form of sport that is entertaining in its raw form. So it's up to us to really set the stage so that we can present it to as many people as possible want to see it. So it's always been our goal to create a, a team and an organizational infrastructure that can react to the opportunities as they present themselves. And I don't know what they look like. Candidly, in June or July, they're going to be different than they look like right now. So what I want to do is have the blocking and tackling and the, the pieces, the fundamental parts of the, of the entertainment event, the racing procedures, the rules and the rest as stable as possible. So then we can focus on what the opportunities look like around us and how they present themselves going forward. And I don't know what those look like in 21. I'm optimistic about all the things we've done and how everything is shaping up with the schedules, with the racing, the embracing, the resurgence of uh, short track racing across the country and really proud to be a part of, of, of firing that, you know, putting fuel to that fire and creating that in 2020. And candidly, the last decade, we've all been working on this to make this happen. So. Uh, as we sit closing up, probably one of the most challenging years for a lot of small sports and particularly small businesses in the U.S., I'm proud to be here standing here with more opportunity, I believe, than we had at the beginning of 2020. So and that is, uh, uh, you know, it's truly a testament to the hard work of everybody on the screen and, and candidly, the teams, the promoters, the sponsors all around us that allowed us to be here today uh, and standing at the door of 2021 with some optimism. A lot of people don't have that. So for us, it's really to take advantage of the opportunities and position ourselves. And we're doing that with infrastructure and organization and, and candidly, a, an incredible group of partnered uh, teams and racetracks and sponsors. Uh, you know, we're going to lead the way. Short track racing is going to lead the way uh, into the resurgence into 2021. And, and we're going to set the stage for that. Yes, indeed. And, and uh, you know, I think the thing that uh, uh, I'm so impressed with, uh, with all of you and what you're all doing is that uh, you've had to overcome a lot of challenges over the years. Every one of these companies has had to, to deal with challenges and never bet against racers. They'll find a way, you know? Uh, and uh, the fact that I see this evolution, uh, especially, I you know, truly see this with you, Brian, and what your company's become and, and the realization of all the things you are and some of the things you aren't uh, is one of the really encouraging to me because uh, uh, I can tell you, uh, I'm, I, I felt very alive when I went to my uh, first World of Outlaws uh, event and and uh, what just every nerve in my body was just, wow, that's incredible. And I think people are going to want that as we come out of this pandemic. I think they're going to want to smell 
the, the fumes of the race cars and, and feel that energy. And you all bring it in a big way. So thank you for being with us on this panel today. I, I, this has been an honor to spend time with you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, our pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Paul said it perfectly. You, you are the backbone. Thank you. You know, uh, it's because you're out there that the cars are on the track and, uh, and because the cars are on the track, we need pistons, we need brakes, we need suspension, safety equipment. So thank you for everyone within the industry. You are the leaders. Uh, we were all following you and waiting for the cars to get back on track. So thank you for everything you do. I have a little story with all of you, and, uh, but we're going to have to move into our next sessions. We're a big fan of, uh, of you guys, so keep, keep up the great work, and we can't wait to, uh, to be back at the track with you. Registering on ePARTRADE is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose claim company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose join company if they'd like to use ePARTRADE as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePARTRADE.